Welcome to Godsplaining, contemplative preachers, contemporary age. Each week, join the Dominican friars as they consider all things Catholic. Welcome to Godsplaining and this episode of Guestplaining. This is Father Jacob Richmond, and today I have Father Gregory here with me, uh, still in D.C., not yet off back to Switzerland, uh, just sitting in like a whitewashed room. It's really great. How are you doing, Father Gregory? I'm doing well, thanks. Yeah, I, um, I would talk at greater length and expatiate upon the whiteness of my wall or the otherwise uninteresting nature of my surroundings, but... In so doing, I would be taking time from our guest, so I will now lapse into silence. Great to be with you. Perfect. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Today we have with us uh, Mr. Victor Sweeney, who is a funeral director in Warren, Minnesota. Um, you may be wondering why I, being from D.C. and the East Coast, why I know someone from Warren, Minnesota, and why we're talking to a funeral director, and I will answer those questions right now. Well, I don't know Victor, but for meeting him online uh, through email and then through phone call, um, but found him i guess we can say found you i don't know if that's the right way to say like found you like you were lost and we found him uh on uh on youtube actually on the wired channel on youtube where you were um i guess doing like a q a &A thing on um on that channel on wired like three months ago and uh it said like questions like a mortician answers questions about death or whatever it was was like "Hmm, interesting and then i saw when i clicked on that a mug of benedict the 16th and i was like that's our guy. Here he is. So <laughs> welcome. Yeah, welcome yeah, to God's yeah, planning. It's you. great to have you. you. Thank you. Thank you, fathers. No, yeah, the, the, the mug there was yeah, kind of, of a call sign. I was, I was hoping somebody would pick up on it. So good work. <laughs> Here I am. Yeah, it was me. Out of all the people in the world, for better or for worse, it was me. So yeah, it's great to have you on the show. And I'm um, really excited to talk about some uh, like end of life death things from a Catholic funeral director. Is mortician still a, a word that would you describe yourself as a mortician? Is that like passe or? Uh, you know, it, my license says mortician, um, but I, okay. most people call it funeral director. It sounds nicer. Um, it's less like that's true. unsettling and scientific. So funeral director is good, but either one's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, You know, I, I guess if you want to we'll get the click, mortician. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably that's probably what got it. And you know, we're gonna give Wired a run for its money. I checked the video the other day; it's something like three million hits. We only usually get like three and a half million views on our Godsplaining YouTube videos, so yeah. we're gonna give them a run for their money. But before we talk about death things, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, how who you are, where you're from, how you got how you got into funeral directing these these sort of things? Just get us up to sure. speed, I guess. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a father of three, uh, soon to be four, in a small town in Minnesota. I live in a town of fewer than 2,000 people. Um, I grew up outside a suburb of Detroit and moved to Bismarck, North Dakota when I was around 13. Um, and that was like a huge culture shock. That was uh, a big deal, <laughs> moving out to the middle of nowhere. Um, and I've since moved to the even closer to the middle of nowhere. Um, but uh, no, I... Uh, I'll tell you the truth. I, I always really wanted to be a priest from the time I was a little kid. Um, actually, my parents moved a couple years ago, and in their move, they found all my old grade school things. And I have a paper from when I was in kindergarten that says, when I grow up, I want to be a priest. Um, and that's kind of always what I wanted to do. And um, in high school, I, I was discerning that. And 
Um, a bunch of my friends were likewise discerning and they all went off to seminary. I kind of discerned out before I got that far. Um, so then I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I didn't like business. I didn't really like science. Um, you know, I'm not a big math guy. Um, and then God really laughed at me and uh, <laughs> put me put me in a funeral business with a mortuary science degree. Um, but it's it's good. It's like a nice kind of middle ground in some ways between um, something that's pastoral, um, but something that can also, you know, put bread on the table for your little kids. So it, it works out well. And um, yeah, I, I married my high school girlfriend. We've married for eight years now. And uh, like I said, we have three little kids and one more on the way. So it's it's good. Life is good. It's it's different than I ever thought yeah. it would be. Um, I always thought I'd like move on to bigger and better things and, you know, run a funeral home in a city or something. Uh, and I, I just, I like small town life. I, I've really found it's, it's got some benefits. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so thinking about the work that you do then, uh, I guess perhaps we can start by, I don't know, talking a little bit about mm, Catholic teaching, Catholic teachings on the importance of the body, the importance of the body, particularly at, at, at death. Um, Father Gregory, do you want to lead us into that a little bit? Sure, yeah. I think maybe just to motivate the question, when we think about the saints in heaven, we talk about them as separated souls, and we think about them as awaiting the resurrection of the body, and yet they're wholly happy. So is the body necessary to be wholly happy in the presence of God? Is the body kind of like an appendage? But... Before you get to super lofty theological questions, the answer of which kind of defy us all, um, maybe how do you how do you focus the question of yeah, like the place of the body, the role of the body in human happiness, just more basically, more generally, and specifically as they come to you when sure. they are no longer joined, body and soul. Yeah, well, I I think the big thing that I always come back to is that there's really no human experience on this side of things that doesn't involve your body. Like I've asked the question to groups that have come into the funeral home, like what have you experienced without your body? And they'll, they'll say something like, Oh, I had a dream. Like, okay, but your dream is still coming through your active brain. You're going through REM. Like you're even that, which is, you know, in some ways it's not physical, at least, you know, tangibly like with your hands or something, but even that is still through the lens of your body. And how utterly important your body is. You, you can't experience anything if you don't have a body, you know. Um, like like certain you know certain saints and writings have talked about how you know in some ways uh, the angels, you know, as, as magnificent as they are, lacking the body, there's they're still something that we kind of have over them <laughs> in some ways. And uh, so yeah, I, I I'm really that's always that's always the the challenge though is to get people to understand that the body isn't this kind of um, Manichaean throwaway thing. You know, we're, we're not Buddhists where we're just trying to separate ourselves from our bodies or experience. Um, but to be a Christian, we have to embrace that tension that happens where the soul is in the body and, and we have to reverence the body. I mean, in the, I feel like in the same way we'd reverence the soul, at least, you know, in so much as it's due. Does that sound reasonable? Yeah. Yeah, that makes. Yeah, I think that makes that makes sense, and we see this like throughout. Uh, I mean, throughout history, throughout Christian history, the, the the I guess at least re 
reiterating the importance of of the of the body through you know from creation through the incarnation. I mean, this is kind of where Dominicans come on the scene, especially with the first heresies that the order was combating, the Albigensians who were dualists who thought the body was bad. Um, and you see this throughout, even even in our contemporary, you know, current culture that uh, there, there's often like this idea that like what we do with or in our bodies doesn't always affect who we are as people, or there's some sort of like disjointed reality that sure. um, really just isn't true. Uh, um, so I, I guess with respect to like end of life death, sort of the reality of death, you know, what, what is that quote that something like death is the great equalizer? Is that right? Did, did I quote that right? I don't know. If not, yes. it's my quote now. Um, but you know, that's something, <laughs> that's something that everybody will experience. Yeah, ex exactly. Um, so how do you see, like, as a Catholic funeral director, how do you, how, is there a difference? Does that, does that lens the Catholic, our Catholic faith, does that lens, um, make make for a difference in the work that you do and and dealing with families but in also dealing with with the the deceased i think so i i think so um you know i i know a number of funeral directors and the ones that are that are more devout or have more you know formal religiosity um tend to i'm not going to say they treat the bodies differently or treat them better but there's certainly the aspect of like humanizing them that I think runs alongside someone who believes that the soul is important as well as the body. Um, you always run the risk, I think, as someone who works with the deceased, of turning the person who's there, or at least their their body, um, turning them into just like this object. You know, we, we always talk about ob you know objectification, um, and I think that's a real risk that you run. You know, when you work in a in a business that deals with the dead you it's a challenge to you know to always tell yourself that like this is somebody's loved one this person is important their body is important therefore i can't just treat it like an object or you know a way to i don't know make money on a casket or something like that <laughs> does that yeah 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 for sure yeah um just to jump in with a small thought um with respect to that, I guess, um, yeah, just to hear you mention the kind of balance to be struck between reverencing the body and reverencing the soul or like the body with reference to the soul. Um, do you find there was a, a New York Times article maybe six, seven years ago about people waking the bodies of their loved ones in, in kind of um, true to life poses, you know, like somebody like seated in the driver's seat of a car or like somebody yeah. in their favorite chaise lounge? And it makes you think of, Evelyn Waugh's book, The Loved One, yeah. um, the way in which it can, it can kind of bridge on the ridiculous. Like, like what's, what are some of the principles of humanizing that experience without it becoming strange, silly, tortured, bizarre? You know, I, I think really the, the crux of it is that you have, to, you have to reverence the body in a way that's going to make the family heal. Right. So one of the things that, that we always say at my business, and I, I think it's true, I mean, and it's not just because we say it a lot, but it's that the, the funeral is about the deceased, but it's for the living. And so in that way, you know, as interesting as an, of an idea as it might be to embalm someone sitting in their favorite gaming chair with an Xbox controller in their hand, like does that does that does that sort of thing 
provide peace to a family? Or does it continue to kind of perpetrate this idea that, um, I don't know, a, a person is boiled down to just the things that they liked or um, that, you know, any minute now they're going to sit up out of this gaming chair. You know, I, I, I don't know. So I, I think there, there's something about the body being in a position that, that I, mean, I hate to say it, looks dead, but also looks peaceful, mm. that I think can be healing. And I don't know if... Uh, propping someone up in a corner is going to have that same effect. You know, may, maybe there's showmanship in it, yeah. but I don't know if, if, um, uh, if peace comes from that. Yeah. This might, this might seem weird, but I'm going to say it anyways. It seems that like the, <laughs> the distinction there or, or the difference is, is, and especially in what you said, making them look like they are dead, but peaceful, not in a gruesome way, but in a peaceful way, kind of the, the distinction between being, um, you know, preparing a human body with respect for the afterlife and for, you know, the second, the second resurrection um, versus like a taxidermist. Is that the right, you know, someone yeah, who just kind of puts sure. something on display, you know? So yeah, the other, I guess a couple of weeks ago, someone, I was talking with somebody and they said um, something like, you know, we've lost in our culture, uh, like the, the ability to um, like face death uh, or like, you know, we don't, like funerals and stuff are not and, and mourning. We're not good at mourning, really. So I imagine that a lot of your work has uh, is centered around a, providing like a good setting and a good I experience makes it sound yeah. kind of jargony, but a good experience for mourning, uh, mourning the passing of someone who's loved by their, you know, by their family. No, you would you would be right. Um, you know, I, I find that ritual is really important. Um, obviously, as a Catholic, I think like ritual is is the most important part of it. Um, as Chesterton says, right, uh, tradition is the democracy of the dead. Like we've been burying our bodies, you know, with their hands over their chest vertically, you know, for ages and ages and ages. And and you have to believe that that started for a good reason and, and it seemed to work, right? Like the medievals had a pretty good handle on death. <laughs> say, say what you will about hygiene or whatever. Yeah. They had a really good handle on death and mourning and, uh, you know, figuring that out, whereas we seem to struggle with that. Um, so no, I don't know. It, that, that's, that's huge, I think, is tradition. Um, the other thing that I think is important when providing an ability to mourn is something in, in school that we used to call grief work. Um, so that would be not homework, but it would be something more akin to uh, something physical that you do either with the deceased or for the deceased. Right. So like being a casket bearer is it's an action that you're, you're helping, you know, kind of move the ritual along. Yes. Um, but also there's the, that action that I think is really healing, that you're actually doing something to get grandpa from point A to point B. And um, and likewise, I think seeing the deceased is again, it's in our bodies. So it's a physical action. Um, that seeing the deceased, I think, is really helpful, too, because it kind of puts everything in a frame, in, a, in an area where you can uh, understand it and, and kind of have death hit home. But like you say, it doesn't have to be gruesome, but it's this physical action that I think is important. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um... All right. Well, we're coming up about halfway through the episode, so we're going to take a quick break. Uh, but when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation on the relationship of the body and soul and death um, and also talk a little bit about, 
you know, what we as Catholics should know about care of the body, funeral prep, those sort of things with an expert in the field, Mr. Victor Sweeney. So sit tight and we will be right back. You are listening to Godsplaining. Visit us at godsplaining.org to listen to our episodes, shop our store, and donate to our podcast. All gifts go to improving the podcast and bringing the gospel to more listeners. Thanks for your support. Welcome back to Godsplaining. I'm Father Jacob Bertrand. I'm here with Father Gregory and Victor Sweeney, uh, funeral director from Warren, Minnesota, who's talking to us um, about death and, and funeral directing and all of that. So at the top of the episode, we were talking a bit about uh, Catholic understanding of the relationship of the body and the soul and then preparing um, the body. Uh, I really liked how you said it, Victor, the, the, that the funeral is, um, I'm going to say it wrong, is about the about the deceased, but for the family. Is that right? Yeah. Is that the right yeah. putting it together? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Nailed it. So we've been talking about that. How how that yeah, perfect. How that how that inter interplays the the you know the funeral with respect to the living and the dead. Um one of the things that uh that we started talking about at the top or at the first half of the episode that is is kind of sticking with me is this idea of of ritual and of um of the ritual of mourning, but also, you know, obviously in, in the mass and the funeral mass and that follows death. Um, what are, I guess, what are some sort of, you know, I, rituals, small R rituals, things that are important, um, I guess, in your work in, in preparing, um, preparing a body for the funeral, for the viewing, these kind of things, what, like, what goes from like somebody who, you know, practices the faith and that sort of thing, like what, I guess, goes into that um and preparing somebody for for burial sure well there's there's certainly kind of the the scientific as aspect of my job the actual you know practicalities of embalming someone um but i guess when i when i think of how my faith intersects with that it's not so much in the embalming side but it's really with um kind of the, the movement and the handling of the body before that and then following the embalming so for instance when someone passes away, whether it's at home on hospice or maybe at a nursing home, um, you don't you don't like like we said before before the break, you know, you don't want to treat the body as an object. You don't want to, you know, just shuck them from their hospital bed onto your cot and away you roll, right? Like you're going to transfer them like you would transfer, you know, your own grandmother. You know, if if they're if they're small, you just pick them up and put them on the cot. If they're larger, you know, you're gonna just use gentle movements um, because really, you know, at that point, you know, a person's body is, is a helpless thing and you need to treat it gently. And it also is do, you know, do a certain amount of respect. Um, and likewise, you know, after an embalming is completed, which an embalming can get kind of rough at times to get proper results. But, you know, after the embalming, you know, there's, there's the matter of like getting somebody dressed or maybe doing their hair or putting on their makeup. And, and there is like a certain ritual to that in that, you know, it's all done with care and precision, right? So it's mm -hmm. it's not like you're just, um, you know, yanking on somebody's shirt, you know, you're buttoning it up just like you would button your own shirt. You know, you're gonna tie someone's tie and tie it so it looks nice. You're gonna shave someone's face, let's say, the way that 
you'd want to have your face shaved. Um, you know, all these things have to be done with care. So, um, again, for, for whatever reason, well, I know the reason for which I just read The Loved One by Evil Lenoir, uh, not, a, not, not knowing what it was about, but then coming to discover that it was super apropos for this, for this episode. Yeah. And the book, you know, insofar as it's Evil Lenoir and it's not Brideshead Revisited, the Sword of Honor trilogy, it's just kind of sneering and satirical. And he had this visit to the United States and he hates the United States and all of its inhabitants. And then he just makes fun of us and specifically the funeral business as like a kind of excrescence of Hollywood. Uh, but in that, there's, man, there's just like a bunch of devastating things. But one of them is you just see everything from an economic perspective. So they're sure. just trying to sell you a casket. They're trying to sell you an urn. They're trying to sell you a, you know, like a, a, a service, as it were, a funeral rite. And then, you know, the one character, he works for a pet cemetery, the other main character, she works for a human cemetery, and you see their different perspectives, but it's meant to kind of collapse it all into so much meat marketry. I guess, you know, like a, a lot of these types of situations don't necessarily confront us until such time as someone whom we love dies, and then we have to make these very concrete decisions, oftentimes from a perspective of like loss, grief, bewilderment, sure. sadness, right? So we're not going to be relied upon to think especially closely, but Maybe, maybe one kind of concrete example of a decision to be made would be, you know, do you bury the whole body or do you have a, per, you know, do you have your, your loved one cremated? Um, maybe could you just walk us through the type of thought that goes into that, the type of deliberation that goes into that from your end? Sure. Sure. So what the studies have told us is that uh, there, there has been a rise in cremation, no doubt, um, but that it's not entirely driven by economics, which is strange because that's, that's like where I think people's knee-jerk reaction comes in. But generally, cremation is just driven uh, by personal preference. And so that could be anything. I, in my experience, what I see, at least boots on the ground in my little area, so this is just anecdotal. But what I see is that generally people gravitate towards cremation when they want to make things easy, right? And mm. the reality is death is just not easy. It, it almost doesn't matter what you do. Death is going to be hard. And so I think people try to do that because they say, well, you know, we don't have to see the body and that's going to be easier for us. Or um, I don't have to try to explain to my grandkids, you know, why grandpa is laying up in the front of our, you know, front of our church in a, in a box. I don't have to explain that to them. Um, so I, I think there is, you know, kind of this, this um, hesitancy to talk about death that I think is spilling over into our cremation rate, into our cremation rate sometimes. Um, at least that's what I see. You know, of course, every every area of the country, uh, that's different. You know, some places it's just become tradition at this point. Um, but one thing that, that I try to do, and, and this is a it's a Catholic thing um, that I think spills over into the rest of my job. But as you gentlemen probably know, um, the Catholic Church has a preference on how a funeral is done and what we do with the body. So. The churches, if we, if we were to do it in order from kind of greatest preference to least, um, the church always has a preference that the body is at the body itself is intact and, in at the, and is at the funeral. And then the church's preference then would be that after the funeral, the body is buried intact in the ground. Right. Um, and, and I suppose there are good, the, you know, there are good theological reasons for this. The resurrection, Jesus Christ himself laid in the tomb. You know, I think these things are important. Um, and then the church's next preference would be that, again, the body is at the funeral. 
and then cremation may be used as what we call a method of final disposition. So rather than burying the body, we'll cremate it, and then we will bury the cremated remains intact in a, in a fitting vessel in a Catholic cemetery. And then our, your third option in order of preference would be that the body is cremated, it is intact in a fitting vessel, and is in its entirety in the urn at the funeral, and then again buried in the ground. So it's interesting, I think, the church has a preference that the body is there. Um, but one thing to note that, that I always, especially Catholic families, there's been this increase in people wanting to keep cremated remains as like a memento or have it made into a piece of jewelry or a uh, paperweight or something. <laughs> and, uh, and that is not permissible from a Catholic viewpoint because you're not treating the, those cremated remains like you would the body, right? There has to be a kind of a one-to-one -one comparison. You have to treat the body well. You have to treat the cremated remains well. Um, and kind of divvying them up as keepsakes, I think, you know, and the church would teach that that's not permissible. Um, likewise, it's not permitted to scatter ashes, right? They have to be buried intact in a, in a suitable and fitting manner. Yeah, it's interesting. I was, after I was ordained, I was in uh, Catholic or campus ministry. I was a assistant chaplain and then I've been vocation director. So my like pastoral experience in a, in a, proper parish is is quite limited as a priest but we did have a parish also that we ran in in new hampshire alongside the campus ministry so there were times when i had was given some funerals to do um and i always enjoyed celebrating funerals i thought they were very beautiful you know as we were talking about the rituals and the rites and that sort of thing but it never i was never uh not surprised by sort of the questions especially around like you know cremation or burial or did the body have to be at the funeral where, you know, especially if there were cremains, you know, like the family rolling up with the cremains that they had from a funeral home from months ago, you know, it was just always very surprising to me. And I always found it to be not, not, I mean, sometimes that might be disrespectful in itself, but not coming from a place of disrespect, but coming from sort of place of, of ignorance of simply not knowing, um, especially coming to a Catholic funeral, you know, what the church proposes and why the church proposes what it does for treatments, treatment of, of the body and burial and these kind of things. Um, so I think knowing these things as Catholics, you know, whether we're preparing for uh, the burial of a loved one or even thinking about our own, you know, death and making preparations there and, and that sort of thing, um, it's just good to know what and why the church teaches what she does in reflection of, as you said, of our Lord and of respect for the body and these sort of things. So um, in our remaining handful of minutes that we have left, I guess what I, what I kind of want to ask is what, I guess, practical tips or advice would you have for, um, for Catholics who are either, you know, preparing for, for the death and burial of a loved one or their own, or, you know, what are good things to know? Um, so as to, um, you said, you know, death is always a big deal and it's always a thing to deal with, but what are some things that might help deal with it? Well, I guess. Um, you know, I, I read this quote some years ago and I think about it on a very, I mean, I work in a funeral home, so I think about it very regularly. Um, but St. Anselm of Canterbury said that, um, you know, death Death is the most expected thing in the world, and yet, you know, it, it. You never know when it will come for you. Like you, you know, you can't get out of it, um, and yet, there's always kind of that mystery as to when it'll happen for yourself or your loved ones. Um, and so I, I don't know. I think even 
the, the best thing I could say, maybe two things. I, I have something less tangible. My The piece of advice there would be just think about your own death. Honestly, I, I think that would cure a lot of today's ills in the world. Just thinking about your own death, not necessarily preparing for it, like putting away money or picking your casket or something, but um, just thinking about it, knowing that like time is short <laughs> and and like not only for you, but like with your loved ones too. And to just, if you think about, if you think about your own death enough, I, I think it puts you in the right perspective for when it does happen to someone you know. Um, and then I guess maybe the, the more practical piece of advice would be, you know, read up on what the church teaches on on death and cremation and funerals. Um, because most of the people that I talk to, and this would be, you know, of any religion, generally think that uh, a traditional funeral with the body present and a cremation with the urn are like the only two options. And the people should know that like you can have a visitation with your loved one and you can have their body at the funeral and then you can have cremation following that. Um, and for people that are worried about cost, I mean, you can save yourself thousands of dollars if you go that route, if cost is a big concern, but then you get the benefit of seeing your loved one, of doing that actual physical work of having, I don't want to say closure, but I mean, you're having this physical experience that you can't get at any other time. It's, 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 you can never take it back. Um, so that, that would be my encouragement would be that if people are thinking about, you know, cremation and burial as this kind of um, either or situation to just really look into it um, in their area, even talk to their local funeral professional and just see what their options are. Because most people don't know about it until it's happening to them. And it's really hard to make a decision, you know, kind of in the heat of the moment when tensions and emotions are high. Yeah, I'm thinking in, in what you're saying and then what you've said throughout the episode. Um, of this of this book that it's not exactly well I mean I guess it's appropriate it's the title is called A Time to Die it's by Nicholas Diot who um, wrote some stuff or some introductions for some of Cardinal Seurat's books um, and the book is about the subtitles monks on the threshold of eternal life and what the author did was visited different you know famous monasteries throughout Europe and talked to the abbot and some of the monks about um, how the monks die in the community. And maybe it's more appropriate, you know, as a religious, someone who lives in a community to kind of read these experiences, experiences and be able to identify with some, some of them. But it was really moving just to see how these monks who, you know, prepare for death and the death of their brothers. And I think has a lot of, well, you know, translates very well over into, you know, for the laity too. So it's not just for religious, but it's a really beautiful and, and book on, on death, really. And it was just published a couple of years ago. And I think, um, as you were saying, like to think about your death, that we don't do it well or enough. You know, it doesn't have to be kind of a gruesome kind of um, like macabre kind of thing, but can be a really beautiful thing to think about the way by which we will, um, you know, come to meet the Lord and how we can prepare spiritually, but also practically for these things. So I think that at least, I mean, I'm not the expert here. You are. So I was going to say those things are spot on, but, you know, yeah. like I said, you're the expert, not me. So. Thank there you. you have it. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for, uh, yeah, of course. Thanks for, um, thanks for tuning into this episode. Victor, thanks so much for being here. Um, if you've enjoyed listening to what Victor has to say, you can check out that YouTube video uh, on, uh, put out by Wired. It's called Mortician Answers Dead Body Questions from Twitter. So it was just up a couple months ago, but is, I found it to be really interesting and kind of fun. So check that out if you'd like. 
Um, I think for news from us, just one thing to keep an eye out for um, more guest explaining episodes. We're bumping things up to twice a month. So the first and third Mondays of the month, we'll, we'll have our guests on instead of just the first Mondays of the month. So um, stay tuned for, for more guests to come. Um, other than that, am I forgetting anything, Father Gregory? I'm, I don't think so, mm -hmm. right? That's kind of what we That's have. It. We're just okay. We're we're just kind of rolling along. So, all right. Thanks again, Victor, so, uh, for being with us on the episode. It was a lot of fun and, and great to hear your your insights on these things. Um, that I guess everyone kind of deals with at some point, but you know, maybe more less less so on a podcast and more so like in an immediate situation. So it's been great to have you and to pick your brain about about yeah, death and the faith and how these things work together. So thanks for that. Yeah, thank you so much, fathers. Yeah, of course. Uh, to all of you who are listening, as always, we are keeping you in our prayers. Pray for us. Thank you, too, to our, our sponsors and supporters, those who support us in so many ways. And until next time, God bless. Thanks for listening to God's Planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the province of St. Joseph. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Leave a review on your podcast app and visit us at godsplaining.org.